This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. We're going to be talking today about uh, the very uh, many different areas of transportation law. And joining me as my co-host is my Ringler colleague, Jim Brady. Jim has more than 25 years of claims and legal experience and has been an associate in the Southern California area since joining Ringler back in 1985. He's a member of the Board of Directors and was recently selected by the board to the new position of Western Regional Director. That sounds like you're accumulating a lot of power there, Jim. Welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you, Larry. Uh, it's, it's a nice title to have, but no more power. <laughs> well, maybe no more money either. <laughs> Our special guest today, uh, Jim, is Virginia Price. She's a shareholder with Kleindinks PC down in San Diego and founder and chair of the firm's Transportation Practice Group. She oversees the transportation practice in all four offices throughout California. She focuses her practice on representing the transportation industry in a variety of litigation matters, including catastrophic loss, cargo liability, and employment liability. Virginia also counsels her clients on employment decisions, contract negotiations, and compliance with local, state, and federal regulation. She's uh, a graduate of Washington and Lee University School of Law, and uh, that's in Virginia, right, Virginia? Yes, it is. Well, that was very appropriate. So, Welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. You know, I, I heard an interesting fact about uh, your law school experience, Virginia, that you graduated at age 21. Is that, uh, is that true? That's true. Wow. And I guess the secret's out. I that's, don't, that's not usually the first thing I tell people who don't know me. <laughs> that's very impressive. Uh, Jim, you graduated at age, what, 38? Was that... Uh, 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 that would be kind to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's terrific. Well, Virginia, there's a great backstory on how you got started in transportation law, uh, starting when you were a second-year associate in the firm. Can you share that story with our listeners? Tell us about it. Absolutely, Larry. Um, yeah, I graduated law school at 21, and two years later, working for the same firm that I work for now, which is Kleindens. Um, I got the opportunity to have way more responsibility than a second-year attorney really should have, um, but I'm really grateful that I did. Basically, a partner in the office who um, was on his way to an, a new area. He wasn't going to practice law anymore. He um, became a CEO of his own company. He had a client that was um, a transportation client, a trucking company, and he let me handle a case from beginning to end for them. And it was a really uh, catastrophic loss. Um, essentially, their truck driver um, dropped his cigarette and was reaching around trying to find it. When he looked up, he realized that the light was red and he was plowing into the five cars that were stopped at that red light in mm. front of him. Wow. And I got to go to the scene of that incident and interface with the police officers who were there and interface with the 
news media who was there and talk to our driver and get his statement and also to talk to the individuals who own the trucking company and get to know them and who ultimately were my client. And they were wonderful people. They'd started this company. Their great-grandfather had started it. It had his name on it, which was their last name also. And they were really struggling to keep the doors open. It was a really tough time for the transportation industry. Mm-hmm. That was, what, a nine years ago? Mm-hmm. Workers' compensation premiums were really expensive. They still are, but it was really bad then. Gas was really expensive. And everyone was really struggling just to keep the doors open. But because it was their grandfather's company and his name, they didn't want to do something else that might have been more lucrative for them. They wanted to try to keep the company alive. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to do my best for them. But on the other hand, they had this driver who'd made a really bad mistake, and they had a plaintiff's list that read like a who's who of what you don't want to see on the other side of a lawsuit. There was a quadriplegic who was a young man. Mm. Um, You know, for the rest of his life, he was going to be in that condition. There was the preacher and his pregnant wife who had to be life flighted out, and there were three children in the back seat. Um, There was a little old couple that was just the cutest couple. You wanted to adopt them as your grandparents who um, both went through uh, intensive care and multiple surgeries. So there was a lot of loss on the other side. We wanted to make them whole as much as we could, Mm. but we were dealing with, um, you know, a struggling company and an insurance policy that would never be enough. And we were able to, well, I was able to, with the client, get all of those claims resolved inside of the policy limits and before a lawsuit was ever filed by early on getting the case into mediation and also having an economic expert come into the mediation. We opened up the books of the company. We gave, we let him do a presentation to show the claimants there really wasn't anything there. If they wanted to punish the company and make it close its doors, they could do that. But in terms of actually receiving something to help make their situation better in, ter- in terms of money or an award... Um, the best we could do for them was structure what we had, and that's what we ended up doing. Well, that, that's and that for me was a wonderful experience. I felt like this is why I went to law school. I felt like an attorney. I thought I was solving problems. I was doing something I was proud of. So I said, "Is this an area of law that I can focus on and do exclusively, or at least primarily?" And I talked to the client, and she put me in touch with other members of the of the trucking community. And, you know, from there, I now have all my own clients and all four offices throughout California. And wow. this is the kind of law I practice exclusively. Well, as they say, the rest is history. That's quite a story. And uh, to be able to have the credibility at the table with your experts to uh, convince these people to take what was there, uh, that's that's a talent. That's a real talent. You you know, the good thing was at the time, I really didn't know enough to <laughs> to be very fearful or know my limitations. As a second-year attorney, you know, you, you, you don't believe you know anything anyway, so everything seems impossible. So I just went forward kind of blindly trusting that it would all work out, and, and thankfully it did, and I had a lot of really good and smart and experienced people working with me, so that helped. 
Great. And another uh, good note I'd like to add is I just got my second case from that company, and it was a real moment of pleasure for me when the woman who uh, uh, owns that company now called to say, hey, Virginia, we've been following your career, and we see that you're practicing transportation law exclusively, and we're really happy for you, and we would have called you sooner. We just haven't needed you, but we've got this employment claim, and can you help us out? And I, I felt really good about that. <laughs> I know. I know. Virginia, uh, perhaps you can help um, some of our listeners. What kinds of cases fall under transportation law? And if you would, can you tell us a little bit about your transportation practice, even though you've told us a, l- a little bit about uh, a single case, but there are, I'm sure, other aspects to the practice. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, and transportation law is really broad. Um, I talked to you about the trucking case that I handled where there was a truck accident, but really trans- the transportation industry is much broader than just the trucking industry. Essentially, the best way to figure out if a company is in the transportation industry is do they move things or people from one place to another? And that might be a railroad, that might be a um, shipping company with big, big ships, big ocean vessels. It could be airlines who fly passengers or cargo. Um, It can be trucking companies. And it can also be companies that don't own any of their own methods of transportation, such as trucks, trains, ships, or planes. But instead, they're intermediaries, and they arrange for transportation. So the, the transportation industry itself is very broad. Those are the kinds of clients that I represent. And then the question is, well, how do I represent those different companies? Um, I represent them, like I said, if the, they get into an accident and there's serious injuries, then I can get involved to protect the company's interest as, as best as possible. Or if something happens to the cargo that they are transporting, such as um, damage to the cargo or mm-hmm. it doesn't arrive on time uh, or a customer um, is upset because it um, the refrigeration unit that doesn't work properly or wasn't set properly, and so the cargo is spoiled, or the cargo is stolen, which happens quite often, mm-hmm. or the cargo is just lost. So then I would get involved to try to locate the cargo, try to mitigate the loss, you know, sell the cargo or move the cargo somewhere where we can make sure the damages are the least amount possible. Um, but also to represent the company if there's a suit. And then there's your um, contract consulting or ad- advising the company on all the different laws and regulations that apply to the transportation industry, as well as all industries such as uh, employment and um, you know the, the very fact of having relationships with other customers, shippers, vendors, employees, independent contractors, et Well, I'm, I'm sure you know the Interstate Commerce Clause backwards and forwards for sure. I know. <laughs> you that know, one comes you, up quite often. Virginia, you know, you've developed, uh, I think, something that you're, you're well known for, and that's your rapid response protocol. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're available for immediate response to these accident and catastrophic loss scenes. Tell us about the process, and then if you can give us an example, something maybe recently 
where you've had to actually get involved in that uh, raptor response. Sure. Yeah. When I um, got started in this um, area and decided that this is where I wanted to focus my energy and my professional efforts, I joined some organizations to try to learn more about the industry and what their needs were so that I could best educate myself and put myself in a position to help the industry as much as I could. And it seemed pretty clear to me that when when the industry has these large accidents or um, where there's personal injuries or there's um, hazardous materials that that are spilling and leaking and could possibly cause further damage, they need someone who's going to be available immediately to go to the scene and begin interacting with all the different parties that get involved at that point on behalf of the company, and also to preserve evidence and uh, statements from witnesses so that if there is later a lawsuit or a claim, we aren't scrambling after the fact to find that evidence that, you know, witnesses' memories fade, skid marks fade as well, um, and things change. So the sooner you could get out there, the better. So we put together a 24-hour rapid response protocol, and basically we guarantee to our clients that within 24 hours of a call to our hotline, an attorney who is either myself or has been personally trained by me will fulfill our 24-hour protocol on their behalf. We'll go to the scene. We'll speak to the police officers, the government agencies that are there. We'll make sure that there's hazmat cleanup um, crews there getting everything fixed as soon as possible. We will talk to the driver. We will get the driver a criminal attorney immediately if it looks like that's in the best interest of the driver and the company. Um, And we will get an accident reconstruction expert to the scene to take a laser um, survey of the scene, and if the accident warrants it, to document all of the evidence that's there. Because in California, the statute of limitations on a personal injury action is two years. So mm-hmm. we might not know that we have a lawsuit on our hands for two years after the date of the accident. And two years after the accident is way too late to be going out and trying to gather evidence. Well, Virginia, how often is this rapid response uh, required? W- when would be the last time that you actually got involved in a rapid response uh, situation like that? Uh, that would be less than 24 hours ago. Really? Tell us about <laughs> I that. Act- I actually just responded to a, a rapid response call uh, last last night. Hmm. Interesting. Virginia, can you tell us about the team of experts that are with you on one of these rapid response uh, uh, investigations? Yes, I'd, I'd love to. Um, one of the main things that I try to keep in mind when I get a rapid response call is that the client has two interests. The client wants to make sure that they get as much uh, evidence preserved as possible and to get um, as many faxes and as much information as they possibly can to allow them to evaluate the case. Um, But they also want to do that in the most cost-effective manner that they can. So I always take my guidance from the client as to what experts they're willing to pay for 
and it's worth it to them to have at the scene. Um, the, the most common expert that I will have out there is an accident reconstruction expert, and that's the individual who at trial would testify regarding how the accident happened, what the different factors were that went into the causation of the event, how different vehicles moved into each other or into other objects, how bodies moved within the vehicles or outside of the vehicles. And they really are the um, best chance we have at explaining to the jury, other than an actual witness, exactly how the accident occurred. So that's the most uh, common expert I take with me. Um, Sometimes we'll also get an independent adjuster who um, helps uh, expand our abilities to speak to people mm-hmm. and to take their statements and to just be eyes and ears to hear to hear statements made um, by officers, news media, and witnesses, but also to see what's going on on the scene. Well, how do you get involved before lawsuits are filed? I'm sure one of your key goals is to prevent the lawsuit from being filed, so I'm sure all of this contact and, and, and hand-holding hand is helpful to that. What role do you play to try to prevent the lawsuit from being filed and, and or to prepare for it once it is filed? That's a good question, and it, it's one of, it, it highlights one of the, the uh, unique aspects about this industry. I think the transportation industry in the U.S. and even internationally is very forward when it comes to their legal expenses and litigation management. The fact it, they are one of the few industries that actually retains and involves their legal counsel, defense counsel, um, well before a lawsuit is ever filed. And I think that's really smart. It saves them money in the long run because they are able to preserve the evidence. They are able to get the evidence that helps them win their case. Um, but it is also um, imperative on me when I am called to help them meet that goal to not get involved in a lawsuit. And really, it's just relationship management and fact-gathering and problem-solving. If I can manage the relationship with the claimants and the claimant's attorneys, if they hire attorneys, and the um, their experts, if they hire experts, and the police officers who are investigating the scene, if I can manage those relationships for the company, we can often avoid a lawsuit because communication, and and Jim, you know this as well because I, I know from working with you on cases together that communication is what resolves a case. If you have open communication and you're able to understand each other, then you can get the case resolved without having to have 12 people in a jury box that don't know either one of the parties make the decision for you. Uh, Virginia, if you can maybe switch gears a little bit, um, transportation laws, I understand, it is broken up into different areas. Um, one is uh, obviously the casualty litigation. Can you give us a, an example for our listeners? Um, of, of, car, of different kinds of transportation litigation? Yeah, of casualty litigation that you typically see. Oh, Okay. Um, the most the most typical casualty litigation that I will see is a truck driver who's been involved in a vehicle accident on the highway. Um, sometimes it's on surface streets, but it's typically him and another car, and there's personal injury 
um, of the parties involved. Um, sometimes the ve- the other vehicle is something other than a car. Sometimes um, it's a motorcycle, a motorcyclist. Sometimes it's a um, bicyclist. I have two bicycle cases right now, and I've actually got three motorcycle cases right now. And sometimes it's a pedestrian. We've got several incidences where a truck will brush up against the, or worse, against a pedestrian, and they um, sustain excuse me, some sort of personal injury. So that's the most typical kind of casualty litigation that I'm involved in. Well, any time a, a truck or a bus comes in contact with a pedestrian, you know it's never going to be good. Uh, let's take a quick break right now, and then when we come back, we'll talk more with Attorney Virginia Price about litigation, the transportation industry, and how she interacts along those lines. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over 23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Brady, from our office in Southern California, and by our special guest, Virginia Price, an attorney with Kleindings PC and founder and chair of the firm's transportation practice group. Well, Virginia, truck drivers transfer a lot more than just people. In fact, transportation uh, in general involves, as you said, transporting people or cargo or goods. Uh, let's talk about the goods and the, the non-people part of it all. Uh, what happens with shipments of, of goods? They, I know they can arrive late. Products can spoil. As you mentioned, refrigeration can, can uh, be faulty. What typically do you run into when it comes to cargo, and how do you handle these situations? Oh, Larry, the cargo aspect of transportation law is my absolute favorite. Really? I, it's That's interesting. Really, yeah, it is really um, my passion. It's governed by federal law for the most part, 
because the shipments are in interstate commerce. Mm -hmm. And there are also international laws that apply if the shipments originate overseas or their destination is overseas. So there's a wide body of law that applies to these types of cases that's been around for centuries and um, is really fascinating to me. There's the Warsaw Convention, Montreal Protocol, the Hague Convention, there's um, the Carmack Amendment. There's just so many of these laws that apply. And your, your typical attorney who is handling other types of work along with their every now and then transportation case really wouldn't understand and, and, and it wouldn't, I'm nothing against the attorney. <laughs> They're probably very good attorneys. It's just why would you understand that there's a whole other body of law that applies? But these cargo cases are so interesting because they involve really the core of our economy. And you get to see the backside of how our everyday activities, how we're able to participate in them, and the fact that the transportation industry is really so important to that. Um, I've handled cases where um, the Del Mar Thoroughbred Club, which is a racetrack here in San Diego mm-hmm. for horses, um, their tumblers didn't arrive from China in time, and multiple parties are involved in that litigation. Different federal law applies, and it's just really fascinating. Well, I'm, I'm familiar. Jim spends a lot of time down there, I hear. Is that true, Jim? That's true. I do, Larry. <laughs> uh, I'd like to touch on another area that some of our listeners may not uh, believe uh, transcends into transportation law. And if you could, Virginia, comment on, uh, I know wage and hour claims, employee classifications, or wrongful terminations all make up some areas of employment law. Uh, Can you tell us a little more about employment law area of the transportation industry? The transportation industry um, is focusing on the uh, different changes in employment law and the, the and several cases that are coming out regarding the meal times that have to be provided to their employees and the rest periods that need to be provided to their employees, but also whether or not their drivers in certain situations are employees that are bound by those different rules. So that's one aspect of transportation law where employment law and transportation law meld. That's really the labor side of things. Mm. But they also have unique situations um, with regard to discrimination and harassment um, because of the environment um, that it's necessarily involved in transporting goods from one place to another. Um, And they also hire independent contractors and owner-operators. An owner-operator is an individual who owns his own truck and operates that truck, he leases the truck back to the company, and he's not an employee or she's not an employee of the company, but they may be subject to certain employment laws, and the company may be obligated to provide them with certain um, rest periods, meal periods, overtime wages, that sort of thing. So in that instance, the company will involve me in helping them set up their program so that they are um, decreasing their risk and their exposure to claims um, based on these types of uh, factors. It sounds like uh, you're consulting with your clients on these contractual issues as they draw up contracts, 
uh, to try to make sure they minimize these kind of difficulties. Is that true? Absolutely, and to try to make sure that they transfer the risk <laughs> for these types of claims to the other parties that are involved in and get some benefit from the transport of the cargo. So we pay a lot of attention to indemnification provisions in the contract and insurance uh, provisions in the contract. Virginia, could you tell us where are your clients? Uh, is it statewide, international? It is, I have a lot of clients in California locally. I'm very involved with the California Trucking Association, and there are a lot of small California-based trucking companies and transportation companies that I represent. But I also represent several national companies um, when they get into trouble in California or advising them with respect to the employment laws and wage and hour laws that apply to them in California. And then I also have some international clients who are either based in um, countries overseas or are um, involved in transporting goods back and forth overseas. So really, it's it's a very diverse client base that I have. Well, I have a feeling, uh, Virginia, that after people hear this, uh, you might get a few more calls because uh, your expertise obviously is going to be helpful to a lot of people around the country that are involved in the transportation uh, industry. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that, Virginia? Oh, the best way would be to call um, Mm 619-239-8131. That's my work number. And um, as a transportation attorney who's always accessible, you can reach me on my cell phone by pressing 1 if you get my voicemail. Terrific. And, uh, Jim, how about yourself? People want to get a hold of you. Yes, I'm available. Uh, the best way to reach me, uh, my staff can find me 24-7, is uh, toll-free 888-734-3910. And I want to let the audience know that all Ringler Associates can be reached uh, by going to ringlerassociates.com where you can also uh, download all the Ringler Radio shows from that website. and uh, Or you can go to LegalTalkNetwork.com, which is another great uh, website that also has the Ringler Radio shows there. You can actually download from iTunes, where you can actually hear this show with uh, Virginia. And uh, you can walk around the park with your earphones on and uh, hear about transportation losses and how to handle them. And uh, that's pretty cool. So, Virginia, I want to thank you very much for joining us. I think that was very informative. I hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you, Larry. And, Jim, thanks for being the co-host. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Uh, Virginia, nice speaking with you. Terrific. All right, everybody, go have, a, go have a great day now. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. In its sixth year on Legal Talk Network, with over a half a million listeners, Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. <laughs>